Hey ladies, welcome to the Looking Above podcast. It's easy to get bogged down in details of everyday life. If we aren't intentional, our eyes can easily be pulled away from the Lord and we can set our gaze on things of earth. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. My name is Karen Boffman and I'm the women's pastor at New Life Church in Gillette, Wyoming. I believe that our perspective changes everything. So together, we'll be looking above. Hey there, welcome back to Looking Above. My name is Karen and I'm the women's pastor and life groups director at a church in Gillette, Wyoming. Maybe someday I'll tell you the story about how I got here. But right now, I want to tell you a few things about me. First, I love people. I love relationship. And I love my job. But I also feel lonely sometimes, and my guess is that you do too. At the end of each year, I pray and I ask God for a word of the year to guide the ministry that I do with women. So for this year, 2022, he gave me the word together. 2020 was hard. But in some ways, 2021 was even harder. It was like we got wounded in 2020, and then 2021 came, and that Band-Aid got ripped off our wound. And it was hard for a lot of reasons. A word that defined 2021 for many of us was loss. There was a lot of relational loss. People died. People moved. People distanced themselves, people separated themselves, and people became more divided than I think we've ever seen them before. And there were a lot of reasons that spurred that division. It seems like there were tensions and frustrations and differences that were simmering below the surface and they just suddenly came boiling up. Personal decisions became political battles and people got really loud about their opinions and minor disagreements became walls that we constructed between us and they they were boundary markers that suddenly separated us. Societally, tiny divisions became huge rifts and that division seeped into the church. People have stopped talking to each other. They've started talking about each other. They've stepped away from small groups. They've left churches. They unfollow Christian leaders and post hateful comments on social media about people that Christ says are our brothers and sisters. The church is more divided now than I have ever seen it. We've become so accustomed to cancel culture that we don't even stop to ask, is that what God wants for his people? Is that how God's people should behave? Is all this arguing and fighting and dividing what we are called to as God's people? When I was 16, I went on a summer-long missions trip with Teen Missions International. The first two weeks of the summer were spent at a boot camp in Merritt Island, Florida, where we received spiritual, physical, and practical training for our missions trip. I don't remember much (laughs) from the training in those couple weeks. I wish I could say that I could still lay a block wall, but I probably can't. But I remember this one teaching in particular, and it was called the five D's of the devil. The preacher taught us about five tactics that Satan uses to destroy us and thwart the work of God. 
I can't remember all five, um, but if I look at my old Bible, I probably have them written down. But the one that I do remember is division. One of Satan's primary tactics is to divide us as believers. Why is that? It's because division flies in the face of what God wants for us. It's the opposite of who we were meant to be and how we are supposed to live as Christ followers. When the people of God are divided, we are far less of a threat to the kingdom of darkness. So let's call this division that we've seen in the last couple years what it really is. It's war. Right before Jesus went to the cross, at at the event that we call the Last Supper, Jesus prayed. He prayed for himself, he prayed for his disciples, and he prayed for us. And the theme of that entire prayer was unity. In John chapter 17, starting in verse 20, Jesus says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us. Verse 21, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. We are in a battle right now and we're all feeling the effects of the struggle. But right now isn't time to take up arms and fight each other because the more divided we become, the less effective we are. Now is the time for us to come together, to heal together, to grow together, to wage war against our true enemy together. If we want to see God do amazing and miraculous things in our generation, we, the people of God, have got to come together. That's what Jesus said. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. As long as we, church, are divided, The world isn't going to get it. They're not going to understand who Jesus is because we're all fighting each other. Now, I'm going to kind of make a hard turn here and jump into friendship. I think we've lost the art of friendship. Somewhere along the way, not only have we become divided, but we've lost the art of friendship. We have lost our capacity to be in deep relationship with each other. And that's adding to the division because it's a lot easier to fight with people when we aren't friends with people, not true friends. Somewhere along the way, I think our cell phones have replaced people. And it's like we can't even look people in the eyes and talk to them anymore. We're distracted and our friendships are floundering. So this spring, we're going to spend 12 weeks taking a deep dive into friendship. I've asked 11 of my friends to come on starting next week and sit and just have a conversation with me about what's causing all this breakdown in friendship and how to do friendship well. And I mean really well. 
My hope is that you'll gather a group of even two or three other women, listen to these episodes on your own before you get together, then come together and use the provided questions to open up and share. Each week, there will be an action step, something to put into practice. It'll be like the main takeaway or the big idea of that episode. And then each week, when you come back and gather together, the first thing you'll do is debrief that. You'll start by talking about how you did with that assignment. Now, I'm going to warn you right now, some of the challenges might be hard. They're going to take time. They're going to take introspection. They're going to take change. But it's going to be worth it because at the end of this 12 weeks, we're going to know how to be better friends. And I'm hoping we will be and have better friends. So before I jump into today's topic, I want to say that I'm not the only one who's been feeling this way about relational lack in our society. Plenty of other church leaders are feeling that way as well. I'm seeing it on social media. I'm seeing it in the books that are coming out. And one of those church leaders is Jenny Allen. If you haven't read any of her books, Jenny is the founder and visionary of If Gathering, and it's a movement that empowers women to live for Jesus in their own communities. Jenny is a force, and I highly recommend that you get your hands on anything she touches. Her most recent book, Find Your People, comes out really, really soon. I got an advanced digital copy, and I've started reading it, and it is hitting the nail on the head. I'm loving what I'm reading so far. Now, I'm going to be honest. I haven't finished the book, but I trust Jenny, and I trust that the rest of it is going to be just as good as the first couple of chapters. So if you're serious about this topic of spiritual friendship and relationship, I'd suggest that you pre-order your book now. I don't get anything for saying that. I'm just saying it's that good, and I would suggest you get it as soon as it comes out. I might refer to her book from time to time throughout the next 12 weeks because she did some amazing research into this topic, and I think it's worth sharing here. Today, what we're going to talk about is our circles of relationship. I've been sharing this concept in small group and large group settings for years now. To me, it just makes sense, and it helps me to sort out my relationships, and it helps me to prioritize people. As women, we have lots of relationships. We have our families, and that's like our in-our-house families as well as our extended families. We've got friends, and those friend circles may be various. We may have friends in a bunch of different places or from different seasons. We've got our work people, the people that we probably see daily and interact with from 9 to 5. We've got our church people, our small groups, the people that watch our kids in the nursery, all of that, those people that we interact with on Sundays and maybe on another evening in a small group. And then we've got our acquaintances, our kids' coaches and teachers, the parents of our uh, kids' friends, doctors, all of those other people that we run into, maybe even your grocery store clerk that you see every time you check out, all of those acquaintances. And with that many people in our lives, things can get messy because we are interacting with a lot of people. And we have a lot of people vying for our attention and our time. So when I talk about these relationship circles, for me, it's a way of, like I said, sorting this out and prioritizing and helping me to see where I should be putting my best efforts and my best energy. 
I like to look at Jesus as our example in everything we do, but especially in relationship. And so underlying all of these relational circles that we're going to talk about today is the relationship with God. God was Jesus's deepest relationship, and God needs to be our foundational relationship as well. If we aren't in proper relationship with God, we're going to misuse, mishandle, um, possibly abuse, and definitely get hurt by our other relationships. So this is the foundation that undergirds everything else we do relationally. You have got to be in a relationship with God. You have got to be friends with God and loving God and allowing yourself to be loved by God first. After that, these circles that I'm looking at, I like to think of them as where has God called me to invest? Whom has God called me to invest in? Whom has God entrusted to me? And I picture these as a target a target, concentric circles that kind of work their way out. In the center circle, if you are married, you would put your spouse's name. Mark 10, 6 through 9 says, But God made them, male and female, from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since... They are no longer two but one. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. So if you are married, this is your husband or your wife. You put them in this center circle. This is your before all others relationship. This is your drop everything relationship. When the person in that circle, your husband or wife, needs you, calls you, wants you, texts you, whatever it is, that's the person that you drop everything for. Now, I will caution you. If you are not married, a lot of people like to put a dating relationship in this ring because our society elevates dating relationships. But I will caution you. You are not married until you are married. So until you are married, keep Jesus in that center circle. Now, we move out from that center circle to the first ring. If you have children still living in your home, if you still have kids that you are raising, in my opinion, this ring is your kids. So these are the people that God has put in your life that you are to, in a secondary way, after your husband or wife, that you are to invest in. These are your children. It's going to only be a small handful in this second ring here. If you don't have kids still in your home, this is where you're going to start the discernment process, where you're going to start praying and saying, God, who are the people that you have put in my life that you want me to invest in the most? In Jesus's first ring, he had three people. They were Peter, James, and John. These were his friends, but they were also people that God felt that Jesus, excuse me, was called to invest in primarily before the other disciples. So these were his closest relationships, the one that he poured into the most. For me, it's my children. I have four kids. One is a young adult and at college, but still um, definitely under our household. So I have four children and they're in my first ring. They are my primary responsibility relationally and um, 
spiritually, they're the ones that I am called into, called to invest in before I invest in friendships and other relationships. Now, the second ring, this would be for Jesus, the other nine, the other nine disciples. For the rest of us, these are, this is where we move out to our close friends, maybe our life group, maybe family members, someone that you are called to mentor. And this is where, again, prayer and discernment comes into place because we then need to see who are those that we are called to really invest in? Who are those that we are called to be in closest relationship with? So for me, I would say between those, um, the center circle and the first two rings, so the first three circles there, I think we aim for about 12 people. These are the 12 people that we are doing life with. These are the people that we drop things for, the ones that we invest in most intentionally. You don't go running to the people that are going to show up on the outer edges of your paper if those in your circles need you. Now, I got this wrong a lot of times in our early marriage and in our early ministry. I would leave Paul and my kids at home, and I would go running to people in the third, fourth rings, even people in the periphery. So as you work your way out, you're working your way out these relationships. I'm going to jump to what um, Jenny Allen is looking at with her relationship. She says that on this whole piece of paper here with all the rings and what I would call the periphery, we have the capacity as humans to be in relationship with about 150 people total. Beyond that, we're just not going to be able to process or even be in relationship with those people. They would be the people we pass on the street and we have no relationship with whatever. So she says about 150. Within that, she would say 50 of them are our acquaintances. So we have that acquaintance type relationship. And then within that, She says we have 15 about who are what we would call or she would call our village. That's kind of what I'm talking about here when I'm saying we get up to about 12 that we're doing life with. And then she says we have three to five who are our best friends. So when we kind of put what she's talking about, and she and I had different purposes in um, creating our little circle charts that we did. Hers is purely friendship, whereas mine is more of a broader relationship and who we're called to care for. I'm saying 12, she's saying about 15, whatever. But in that ring of nine, you know, she would say that's where she would put those three to five people that are what are called your best friends. Those are the people that you are the closest with. Um, so I think I think there's room for overlap between what she's done here and what I'm doing. But I like that she's saying um, your village is no more than 30 people. It might be 10. Somewhere in there she's she said about 15. So I said 12. So there's a little bit of wiggle room there. Of course, you know, pulling in our kids, um, she's only talking about friendships in there. So that does expand our circle just a little bit. But the point is we all have limited capacity for relationship. And we look at Jesus, okay, when Jesus was on this earth and he is God, and of course God is in relationship with all of us and has the capacity for that. But when Jesus was a man and was on this earth, he did not give to everyone all the time. He did not invest in people 
equally. He didn't give to those shouting the loudest. And sometimes the people, uh, those 150 the acquaintances way on the outer periphery, sometimes they're the ones that are shouting the loudest and asking the most of us. Jesus did not always heed the calls of those who were shouting the loudest. He was called to the 12 disciples above even his own family. And he made that very clear as he went about his ministry. We saw him prioritize those relationships and we saw him intentionally invest in the three above the other nine. And then there were other disciples. Some of them are named and some of them aren't. Aren't. That doesn't mean that he didn't love his family. That doesn't mean that he didn't love those others, the other disciples. What it means is he was intentional and he prioritized and he served first and most those whom God gave to him to care for and to be in relationship with. So we only have so much capacity for relationship. This week, what I want you to do is start by assessing your circle. Start by assessing the relationships you have right now. Who is in your circles? Who is not in those inner circles? Who needs to be moved? Maybe you've been pulling them into an inner circle. Maybe there's a friend or a parent that you've been pulling into your innermost circle and putting them above your spouse, and they need to be kicked out of that circle, right? So this week, we're going to start assessing that and see where people are, and then you're going to find out, what am I lacking? Maybe you're like, I really, truly only have like five people in my community or in my tribe, and I need more people in there. So that's where we're starting. Next week, when we come back, we're going to be releasing on Valentine's Day, and I'm going to be having a discussion with my great friend, Sarah, about loving our friends well, and she's got some great things to say. I love this woman very much, and I love doing life with her, and I love being in relationship with her, and she is someone who loves me well, and so I wanted to just sit down and talk with her and let you all hear about how she blesses me and I bless her and how we love on each other. So next week, we'll be back talking about loving our friends. For now, think about your capacity for friendship. Who's in your circles? Who's not? Who needs to be moved around a little bit? Spend a lot of time praying this week. And until we are together again, keep looking above.